Lord. I'm glad to be here this morning. It's good to see you. It's not as hot in here as it would be outside in a couple of hours, but I'm thankful for that. Uh, so the title of the message this morning is, What Are You Thinking About? Amen? What are you thinking about? Making another blanket. Yeah. What are you thinking about? You know? Do you find yourself happy or stressed? <clears throat> Do you find yourself confident or uncertain? You find yourself cool or hot? Yeah. What? Uh, there's so much information coming at us today. You have social media. You have, uh, you know, you have the news. You have the papers. You have just the conversation around the table. You have the conversation around the office copier. Seems like everybody has something to share. It seems like everybody has been impacted somehow by the things that are going on today. And it's amazing to me how different, in listening to the conversations, how different the perspectives are and how different people's sight is and how they process the thoughts and how they process the things that they want to share. You know, it seems like we're in a year where we're being bombarded with an unrelenting uh, uh, onslaught of information that seems to be all uh, wanting to be fear-based, wanting to be apprehensive, wanting to have people give up on the things that they have uh, been promised by God, wanting people to doubt, is God there? Does God know? If God is around, why does he allow these things to happen? There are so many other things that people try to be in the spiritual places, but the confession out of their heart is confusion and fear and anxiety and stress and wonder and uncertainty and all the places that are, are contrary to the promises of God. And so the message this morning is, what are you thinking about? Amen. God doesn't look at these days that way. He doesn't look at the days the way the onslaught of the, uh, the media and the information that comes to us. And the majority of the conversations throughout the day, he doesn't think that way. God thinks in a way that's about certainty. It's about faith. It's about hope. It's about love. It's about peace. It's about the expectation for tomorrow, not the dread of tomorrow. It's about the hope that lays ahead, not the uncertainty and the threatening spiritual attacks that people are so focused on. In God, there is something very different than that is this onslaught of information. These are days where God is desiring humility. These are days where he's desiring meekness and repentance. These are days that would lead to strengthening you in your resolve, strengthening you in your ways that you approach the day, that you, God is all about us getting up in the morning and anticipating seeing God throughout the day, 
and having that kind of relationship with him that when something comes to threaten the vulnerability of who we are, that we come back into the presence in the word of God and we find peace, rest. You know, the very foundational things that are in our lives, we spend so much time seeking and pursuing other things. And this is a season where we're supposed to be thinking about the foundational things that are the most important in our lives. These are the days of destiny. These are the days of, of re-understanding what we're here for. These are the days where we are supposed to be apprehending everything that's contrary to the word of God and declaring it to be at the feet of Jesus that it has no more strength and it has no more ability to produce fear in the lives of our families and work. These are the days where the sons are becoming to know who they are. These are the days where the spirit is quickening to the people of God the right thinking and the right understanding that we might understand that we're not uh, to be focused on all of the onslaught and the warfare of the attack that's coming against us and partner with that and just shrug our shoulders and say, oh well. We're supposed to be men and women and children who declare, who see the gap in the places of what is right versus what ought, what, what isn't. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people have wanted to be part of prayer and fasting in the days that we're in, is they're hungry for change. It's time for change. It's time for change. And the only way that change is going to happen is through individuals understanding that what is happening in the earth isn't the perfect will of God. And it isn't what is written about your life in the book of heaven. And it isn't about dread for tomorrow. And begin to declare the word of God. Amen? It's about cleansing your mind. We are in a season right now where the mind, the human mind, is being cleansed. And I want you to understand that there is hope for tomorrow. The way that you're thinking today isn't necessarily the way God wants you thinking for tomorrow. Amen? This is a time to think about priorities. This is a time to think about the things that are really important. But what do you find yourself thinking about today? Are you thinking about the foundational things of who you are being woven together in the womb by the hand of God and what your purpose is? Or are you thinking about, gosh, I hope I can get a parking place near the door when I'm going shopping at Walmart this afternoon. I spend so much time worrying about the things I shouldn't worry about trying to coordinate my mom's wood in her winter and trying to find somebody somewhere to come and help me with a wood processor to make it easy. And I had to contact a guy in Lincoln because all of the ones that are around the valley are, are booked. They're just, they're not available. And I spent so much time and so much effort because I didn't want to do 
the work myself in cutting a log load of wood with a chainsaw the way I've done it for 40 years. My body just isn't really allowing that. Rather than saying, God, I trust you, you'll put somebody in my path that will accomplish this, and it will accomplish it beyond my expectations. And I'm thinking about the things that I worry about every day, and I'm trying to align those with the Word of God. And there is the struggle. There's the battle. There's the place of warfare. There's the place of where I have to make a decision. This isn't the Spirit of God. What does the Word of God say? And I have to think about and let the Holy Spirit bring a scripture or a thought or the heart of God, and I have to make a decision. And it's that decision that I believe that the body of Christ is in in the days that we're in, where we begin to change the way that we approach everything that we do every day. How many, how many thoughts do you think you think on an hourly basis? On a daily basis, moment by moment. Throw some numbers out at me. 200 thoughts a day? 200 thoughts an hour. What else? What else? Where do thoughts come from? You're being bombarded with thoughts and information every moment of every day. When I read psychology reports, the people that study these kinds of things, because it's so far over my head, I pick up numbers like the experts estimate that the mind thinks between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. That's an average of 2,500 to 3,300 thoughts per hour. 200 was a great guess. It's what I would have suggested. It's what I would have thought. But if you think about what comes to your mind and the things that you need to think about just to function in daily life, it's far more than 100, 200, 300 thoughts an hour. The psychologist community are suggesting that it's between two and 3,000 thoughts per hour. Now, when these thoughts come to you, what do you do? Sometimes you make decisions. Sometimes you just mull it over. Sometimes you, you think about it and think about it. Other times it's a fleeting thought and it goes through and you don't ever give it any energy or any, any thoughts, any, any, any time. You know, if you were an athlete, and you really wanted to get really good at your, the sport that you were in, more times than not, you would have a personal coach. You would, if you belong to a team, whether it's a local team playing uh, baseball, there's always a coach. There's always a trainer. There's always an individual that is responsible for looking at the way you're playing, looking at the way you're functioning in your body, looking at the way your skill sets are, looking at the way that you're moving and the way you process uh, activity on your, 
on the opposing team, where you position yourself, right, there is a coach watching all of this happen. And the purpose of the coach is to strengthen your strengths and to affirm the things that you're doing correctly, but also to point out the things that need to grow, the things that need, you need to get better at, yeah. right? Yeah. A personal coach, if you're in the Olympics, their responsibility in life is to figure out how to make everything that is necessary to accomplish their sport to be the best in the world. And so they're very critical. They're very, un they're very discerning. They're very understanding of how the body, how the muscles in the body can function with other muscles, how the mind works, how the places of uh, strategy unfold. And so most of the time, the coaches don't get the accolades. The coaches don't get the places of affirmation of, oh, the person won first prize. People don't ask, well, who was your coach, right? They ask about you. They ask about you as an individual, what it took to be number one, what it took to cross the finish line and go through the endurance of what it takes to win the prize. You might be saying, well, yeah, I know all of that, but I don't have a coach. I don't have an individual that can help figure out the things that I need to get better at and the things that are, need to be discerned so I can uh, be a champion. You might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, whether it's managing my household, managing my finances, managing the way I approach the day, managing 2,500 thoughts per hour, managing the way that I think about things, the way that I uh, spend my time. I don't have that person that can help me. At, amen? Every athlete has a coach. Every single person who is on a sports team is being looked at. Wouldn't it be too bad if an individual had the ability to become number one in the world, but chose because of attitude, because of wrong thinking, because of selfish desires in other directions, wouldn't it be too bad if that individual ignored the coach and chose to do something very different? When greatness was woven into the fabric of who they are and set themselves on a course to become the best in the world, and then partway through it, when the coach became critical, or the coach became too hard, or knew that the muscles that you were using aren't being used to the best of the ability of the task, and pushed you more than you wanted to be pushed, and you 
settled back into a place of timidness, of indifference, a place of not really caring anymore. And just settling down in a place where you wanted to live your life and you wanted to go through that training the way you wanted to. And you stopped listening to the counselor. How tragic would that be? The Holy Spirit comes as a personal trainer. Jesus said, it's important that I go away, that I send another. Who is he talking about? They didn't know at the time. But he said, when he comes, he will remind you of what I've been telling you. He will remind you of the word of God. He will bring to your memory the things that I have spoken. And not only that, he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things have been given to me by my Father. In other words, all things belonged to God. And God gave it to Jesus. And Jesus said, when he comes, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit isn't taking his own thoughts and his own desire, separate and apart from the will of Jesus, separate and apart from the will of God. His function is to take the hope, the plans, the destiny, the prophecy, the expectations of God, the plans that he created at the foundations of the world, the plans that he thought about you while he was knitting you together, his assignment is to take what is written about you, spoken about you, prophesied about you, and cause that to become reality. Romans 8. I love Romans. It's, I, I, in, in my opinion... Romans is the chapter of the Son. Because there is, in this one chapter, Romans chapter 8, it's speaking to people who long for the sonship of God, of how to function, of how to interact with the Holy Spirit, of how to attain the greatness that is already written about you in heaven. But you are not flesh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Ooh, ouch. Do you see the importance of the Holy Spirit living inside of you? God's word tells us that the same spirit, same spirit, no different that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power, the ability to do something that has never been done before, beyond human ability, beyond natural ability, the word tells us that that spirit 
the one Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit manifests the truth of our fallen condition. And when correction comes to the body, so many times people get offended. They decide that it's too hard. And they decide that their own decisions are going to be the focus and the direction that they go. How tragic that athlete chose to ignore the coach and give up destiny, give up greatness, give up the thing that God created them to be. How tragic. And I found that in my life, when the Holy Spirit comes to remind me of something that I really don't want to do, and I don't want to go through the pain and the suffering, and I don't want to go through the work I have found out that God is unrelenting. And God will offer and offer and offer and draw me in and invite and require and bring up situations in my life that speak of the very same thing that should have happened months ago. And he's pursuing me. God is pursuing you in these days that we're in. produces conviction and repentance in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes to open the heart and the mind so the people who are able to receive the truth that Jesus is Lord become the children of God. Problem is, when conviction comes, like I was saying, many choose to follow their own reasoning and their own self-justification. Self-justification. Instead of the justification of the coach... Instead of the justification of the blood of Jesus, instead of the justification of the word of God that sets you in a place where you're clean and whole and pure, people remove themselves from the covering and the will of the Holy Spirit, and they choose to do something different, oftentimes blaming others or ignoring what the next steps would be. We're in a season of time where the Holy Spirit is becoming more and more and more available in our lives to transform our thinking. The things, the 2,500 thoughts per hour, take every thought captive and separate the thoughts that are God versus the things that are not. John 14, 26, Jesus said, but when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world, uh, world gives do I give to you. It says, let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Are you afraid in these days? All you've got to do is turn on the news. All you've got to do is stand next to the office copier for 10 minutes. All you've got to do is go to lunch with somebody. All you've got to do is read the paper. There's no hope in it. There's no expectation of God. There's no desire to say that doesn't line up with the word of God. The looting, the rioting, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. John 16, however, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you know what truth is? Do you know what the word of God speaking? Then all you have to do is listen to the Holy Spirit and he will remind you what Jesus said. And then you have a decision to make. What am I going to believe? Do I want to believe the things I want to believe? Or do I want to believe the Holy Spirit, my coach? The one who wants to produce greatness. The one who wants to produce the destiny that God, that God wrote about my life. He will not speak of his own authority, but whenever he hears, he will speak to you. He will tell you things to come. Are there mysteries that you've been wondering about? Are there things in this world that don't make sense to you? The only way to understand many of them is by revelation. Is have him to impart to you the truth of the word. He will glorify me. For he will, not, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is a coach that you can trust with your life. You know, I wish, I wish I could tell you that if you do nothing, the world is likely to change back to what it was. If you just hold on long enough, if you're just able to make it through until fall, the spring, next year, three years, I wish I could tell you that things are going to be okay. But that's not what the Word of God tells us. The Word of God tells us that the peace of Jesus is supposed to rule your life, rule your heart. It tells us that what we think about, 3,000 thoughts an hour, need to be brought into the submission of the Word of God. Can you do that? Can you process consciously 3,000 thoughts an hour for the entire time that you're awake? I don't see how any human being could ever do that. The reliance on the Holy Spirit in the days that we're in is needing to increase. And it's needing to be, we need to be able to hear his voice quicker and respond faster. Discover the place of humility that maintains the peace of his presence throughout the day. 
not just when I am so stressed that I have this meeting to go to and three-quarters of the people are against me and I don't know how I'm going to do this. God, I need you. How do I maintain a place of peace? No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what I'm being faced with, 2 Corinthians 10. I've got about another 10 minutes here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, extraordinary weapons. Extraordinary. For the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This means that we have a chance to change the present. We have opportunity, as the Holy Spirit is making himself known to the body of Christ, ministering pouring himself out, communicating the thoughts of Christ, communicating the word of God, reminding you what has been spoken over your life. That means that if we take that information and apply it to our day, change happens. Because God's words does not leave his mouth, but it comes down as the rain and the snow from heaven to accomplish what he intended it to accomplish, and it doesn't return void. Seed for the sower and bread for the eater and everything that you need is available in the word of God. Amen? In closing, I want to overlay Romans with Joel 2. I want to overlay the heart of God in two very different places in the Word so that you can see the continuity. Joel 2 is speaking about a people trembling with fear and uncertainty. Speaking of an army that is invading the land. It's speaking of an army that is so strong that it's perceived to be unstoppable. It's speaking about an attack in the land that cannot be stopped unless God himself intervenes. That there is nothing left behind them. It's speaking of a people being in great pain and suffering. It's not hard to understand how to apply Joel 2 in the day that we're in on a global scale. But Romans 8, speaking to the sons of God, is a trumpet call to awaken. There's always a remnant. There is always a group of people who run ahead of the movements of God in the earth. Not ahead of God ahead of the general population, ahead of the, the masses of people. You don't run ahead of God. Right? 
but you can run ahead of the masses of the people because you're in tune with what the Spirit is leading you to do. There are some that are going to be hearing God's voice and respond with the sound of the trumpet. There was a young man this morning who tried to blow the shofar this morning, tried and tried. And as he kept trying, he was figuring it out. God is letting the trumpet sound in our midst as an assembly of the saints to be coached by the Holy Spirit to operate and function in ways that the earth hasn't seen in a long time. Weeping and fasting, sincerity. If you read Joel and you overlay Joel with Romans, Romans does the same thing. But let me show you how Joel ends. Chapter 2, 28. And it shall come to pass that afterward, right? After the struggle, after the trial, after the turmoil, after the heartache, after the death, after the stripping of the land, because the people cried out, because the people humbled themselves, because the people sought God, this is what it says. And after that, it will come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Folks, that's where we are. The Holy Spirit is coming to make himself known to you, to separate the 3,000 thoughts per hour that you're experiencing and bringing the thoughts of God to your memory, awakening your spirit. Who knows the things of God except the spirit of God? This isn't about the carnal mind. This isn't about working it out from your own natural training and your natural thinking. That can help. But in and of itself, that is not enough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to hear his voice, to understand the heart of God, to understand what God did in giving all of everything he is to Jesus, and then Jesus giving it to you. What do you do with it? If you approach it from the carnal mindset, it says that flesh can never please God. It says that no flesh can ever please God. The only thing that can ever please God is what? Faith. Those who come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the heart of our Father. That's the heart of our God. Are you apprehensive about tomorrow? Are you fearful about next week? Are you concerned about the winter? Are you concerned about the things that are going on in our families' lives? You should be concerned. It's life-threatening. But when we function out of humility, out of love, 
There is no fear in love. And if you're walking in fear, it just means that you're not quite done yet. And that he is still working. So we're not supposed to fear the trials. We're not supposed to fear the fall or the winter or the next year. But it is your responsibility as an individual to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking inside of you. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, raising you up into a place of authority, into a place of overcoming. You have been an overcomer thus far all the days of your life. And it's not intended to ever stop. Amen? I'm going to leave you with this final thought, Philippians 4.8. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your thoughts dwell on that. Amen? Amen. What's, what's speaking to me, Val, is that I won't ask you your age because you're not ever supposed to do that to a woman, right? But whatever your age, you're still teachable. You're still learning. So awesome. Oh, that's why we need each other. Amen. Even even when it comes to a sewing machine, the Holy Spirit is there. Amen. <laughs> that's right. He has the ability to do it which we cannot. Amen. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for the for the word this morning because most of the time isolation isolation creates the opportunity for that increase of thoughts. 
Because when you're isolated, that's when all of the influences of both your own thoughts and the realm of the Spirit begin to flood you with all of those thoughts. And so I want to encourage you, because I was uh, aware with YWAM, I knew things were changing for them, but it was last week I think I saw. Because, you know, they have all of these hundreds and thousands of young people being trained up to go to all these nations. Well, because of COVID-19, they couldn't travel. So what they did is they sent them home to minister in their own communities. And it has brought an explosion of testimonies in every one of these communities. I love you, Ryan. Good to see you, buddy. And so what I wanted to just offer to you or consider if you have the opportunity to be able to be mobile, if you either have a car or if you can walk to a park, because I was down here waiting for a meeting that we were going to, and apparently down where they have the uh, concert every Wednesday night, somebody has taken their Zimba classes outside. So they've, they've taken chalk and made all of these squares that are six-foot distancing, and they're all doing their Zimba out there whatever the exercise is, Zumba. And then in turn, there's some park benches out there. And I wasn't sure, Val, were you at the park at any time last week or a week before? I mean, not Val, but uh, Athia? Because there was someone who looked just like you, but there was somebody who was just talking on a park bench. And so if, if, if YWAM can go home and make an impact in their home vicinities, why couldn't we just start to look for places to go? Because our adversary would like to see us isolated. To keep us from having relationship with one another and or others, but also to keep us captive of our own thoughts and our own world. Because one puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand to flight. It gives us an empowerment, it gives us a strength but it's also part of what we are called to be, and that's his voice. But you don't really have to talk, because I guarantee you, if you introduce yourself and just listen, I guarantee you, you'll have the opportunity to allow the Lord to minister through you. So give that some thought as your thoughts are being processed of bringing before the Holy Spirit, and allow us then to be much, much more mobile because if, like Sean said, if we think we're going to wait this out, God doesn't want to wait. He's on the move. He's got his purpose. He's got his kingdom advancing. And we are those that advance it by our aggressiveness, our laying hold of the things he's asked us to do. And so I just thank you, Sean, because all of us, I don't care how old you are. I don't care whether you're married or not married in a single home, whatever it is. This is the minefield right here. And if you can allow yourself to then serve, I mean, my goodness, our food outreach, I pray for JC and Sandra and all of those every single week because we could use volunteers all the time through the food outreach because there's such a great need. So if our community has that outreach need, I'm sure other communities are as well. So we just bless you this morning. We want to just encourage you. Take this word and let it be that which is life to you. Let the rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit, be that, that flow that allows your mind to be washed, to be strengthened, to be purified, but also ignited in Jesus' name. So we bless you. Amen.
Hallelujah. Deb, did I see your hand raised at the end there? Come on up. 